Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that look like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. All right, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. I'm James Hansen. This is Milo. And... I gotta admit, there was there was a few things uh, that were making me wonder if we were gonna have a lot to talk about today. So I had I was thinking about some things we were gonna talk about, and then the basketball gods and jazz gods became very good to us and let us know that Kyrie Irving has requested a trade. I guess Kyrie Irving is tired of LeBron James, or maybe has been tired of LeBron James for a long time, and wants to get traded. And this affects the Jazz in a lot of ways because the Jazz honestly have assets and and tradable players that that they can really make this happen. And and they and they have some ties with that that organization from a, from when they were trying to get a deal done a few weeks ago. Exactly. That that was the funnest night uh you know, that was before Gordon Hayward broke our hearts and hurt my feelings, personally hurt my feelings. The, we found out that the Ky- there was a Kyrie Irving trade out of nowhere that involved the George Hill sign-in trade. And we all got kind of excited thinking about that, and then it just kind of faded away. We were actually all – it just seemed so ludicrous that we all kind of made fun of it. And then later on we found out – so Jody Genesee tweets out that there was some validity to that. So that was a legitimate thing that was talked about and that the Cavs were shopping him around. Obviously, they're still shopping him around. It's it's going to be interesting. First, Kyrie wants out of Cleveland because he wants to be the man. Good for him. And um, and guess what? There is uh, the only man left in left in Utah really right now is Rudy Gobert, who is uh, would be willing to you know take on the the full duty. So Kyrie would get to have his 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 time in the sun if he came to Utah. Like you said, the Utah has. A lot of good assets to be able to to make a good trade with them, and because it's not just enough for Cleveland to get like trash and and to be able to start making room, they're not they're not in dumpster fire mode where they're not wanting to make the playoffs. They still want to be competitive. So if they're going to move Kyrie, they they not only have to get players who are on cheap contracts and have a a you know potential, but they have to be able to come in. And be able to contribute at, towards a championship run for what Cleveland wants. And I saw, I can't remember who tweeted it, but if Cleveland does this right, I think it was Tony Jones. Uh, Tony Jones said if Cleveland does this right, they can get better with making these moves. And I think that it's completely right. If they were to make a move with Utah, uh, Utah had traded for Rubio smartly before the technical end of the 2016-2017 season. What that means for Utah 
is if they had traded for for Rubio afterwards, they wouldn't be able to trade him till December. But yeah. because that happened in the technical end of last season, they're able to make that they can make a move for, with Rubio anytime over the season. And honestly, I'm not sure. And for people who are like, oh, well, you know, why are we chasing Rubio out before he's had a chance to play? This is not technically chasing him out. I'm sure they talked through scenarios with Rubio's agent when they brought him over and said, hey, here's our plan A. We're wanting to bring Gordon Hayward. We think you're part of this package that we can we can convince him to stay. But if not, since we got you last season, if a deal becomes available where, hey, we can move you to a contender or something else. Uh, so you're not having to deal with our plan B. We'll do that for you. Uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of movement, and I'm sure Rubio's camp. Like, if you told Rubio's camp, "Hey, ah, bad news. Um, you're gonna have to play with LeBron James." Like, I I highly doubt his <laughs> yeah. camps is going to be like, "Oh man, Utah did me dirty." What a terrible turn of events that what would be. What a terrible turn of events. I didn't even buy a house. Um, so <laughs> the, arguably the greatest player who has ever lived, you get to play with him. Sorry. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry Hate to ruin your day. You never get to wear that Utah jazz Nike Jersey. This is what a shame. Like it would be okay. And, and I don't think any, I think part of me as a, as a jazz fan, uh, you know, take off my rider cap, put my jazz fan Jersey on is, I, I want to see Rubio play with these guys. I think it would be a blast. I think it would be great. But on the other hand, if you have a chance to get Kyrie Irving, you have to be – like if you're any GM, you have to make that move. You have to go for that. So there's um, – in my post that I got up today when the news broke, there Utah has a, a lot of flexibility in being able to make moves. They can trade – they can trade uh, Ricky Rubio for uh, – Ricky Rubio and Rodney Hood for Kyrie Irving. They can trade – Ricky Rubio and Derek Favors for Shannon, uh, Shang Fry and, and, uh, Kyrie Irving. So they can give them some flexibility. Um, and that move makes sense. And people are like, well, you got Kevin Love there. Well, they're wanting to move Kevin Love for Carmelo. So if they're able to get, Car you know, move Kevin Love and they're, and we're giving them Derek Favors and then we're able to get a stretch four and Fry and gives Utah Jazz more flexibility in what they're able to do. Because let's be honest, uh, the Utah Jazz were better with Joe Johnson at that four position. They oh, were, yeah. but he can't play that four, you know, thirty minutes, you know, thirty-two minutes. So if you are running this rotation of Jarebko and Johnson and Fry, that works. They also can they can move Exum over there if they want. Yeah, you know, uh, they can move. There's there's a lot of flexibility in what they can do, and Cleveland's still able to get better. Uh, and so. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing is, is, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but the Jazz really have the best of both worlds. Uh, you were right that, I mean, LeBron James wants to win now. I'm, I, LeBron's not going to be opposed to getting nice young prospects, but prospects, but he and the Cavaliers, they want to win. This is their chance, especially with LeBron's last year in Cleveland. And the Jazz have, like you said, they have Ricky Rubio that could go right now. They have Rodney Hood that can go right now. And those are pieces that play off of, especially Rodney Hood, that will play off of LeBron James really nicely. And they're able to grab uh, – Cleveland would get Rodney Hood, who is on his last year of his rookie deal. He's a restricted free agent, so they can keep him. So that's a good asset for when 
<laughs> LeBron leaves. Yeah. Because uh, let's be real right now, they would have to do a lot for uh, like they would have to have a championship run and Dan Gilbert would have to sell the team for LeBron to LeBron like sell the team to LeBron for LeBron to stay in Cleveland. You think he's you think he's gone? I think he's gone just because the dysfunction. Now, then again, a new GM can go in there, but I mean, you have to have short-term memory to to really look at this team of what Griffin was doing. And let's be real, Griffin would have probably Griffin David Griffin who was a Cleveland uh, uh general manager prior to uh, this new one that and I can't even I don't even know the name of this new uh GM. But he he might have been even running these deals beforehand. You know, he like he was already moving the mellow deal. He was you know to try to get Paul George and he might have been it, it doing in the works to get Kyrie out of there to pull in some some more assets. So I don't know. This whole thing with with Utah, I think Utah's a really good trade partner for them right now. But uh, I think as time goes on, it like in 30 days, teams are going to be able to trade rookies. So all of a sudden, there's different value. But then again, a rookie is not going to be able to come in and contribute. But if this new GM is smart, he would be like, well, sorry, Kyrie, you're on contract. You're going to play regardless. I got you on here for two more years. And he might hold off until December or in that trade period of time, because then all of a sudden every player is available to be traded and you're able to make moves. And that, that changes it. And that tilts the balance out of Utah's favor at at that point in time. Exactly. Because right now Kyrie has really done a good job of helping the, helping himself come to Utah, because if there's urgency, the jazz have more ability to bring him over than anybody. And Kyrie's really helped us out. He, He's getting a one-way ticket to tracks to play in Vivint Arena sometime soon. Uh, I, I, I just think that because he's requested the trade, because of the things that have come out where he's saying he doesn't want to play LeBron, uh, Brian Windhorse said that LeBron James was quote-unquote devastated by the news, which I don't know if LeBron is saying this is a way for me to kind of let people know this is just one more thing that has driven me away from cleveland or if he legitimately was angry and maybe that's a broken relationship i think he's legitimately angry but they're also like i mean lebron's 32 Kyrie's 25 like there's a there's an age gap there um and 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 they might not connect like lebron might look at things in a much more professional way or he might not this might be total spin from his camp being like oh my gosh you know no, don't. Please stay. Don't go. Like, like, I, you, so devastated. It's so devastated. So hurt. Like, I, I mean, if you like LeBron, if we're being real, he is one of the best PR marketing guys who have come into the NBA as a, you know stars, star wise, uh, who has been able to control his image and do what he does. So, I mean, of course, if all the news is like. Dude, I want to get away from this guy. I don't want to do that. Of course, this camp is going to be like, they got tons of PR people who will be like, hey, this is how we're, this is how we're going to roll with this. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to, you know, you know, keep, keep things going our way. As far as Kyrie, I think Kyrie's kind of smart because if LeBron's out in, in a year, what, do you want to be left with the aftermath of that? Do you want to be left with, with dealing with the pieces and, and, 
I wouldn't be. So at, this is his chance to be like, like I have a chance to get out of here, well, and, it's... And, and not be left picking up the pieces while he's out. And we saw what happened with Dwayne Wade when they, you tried to do that in Miami. We saw what was left of Cleveland the first time LeBron. Well, left. that's that's what I was gonna say is. If anyone knows what that would be like, it's Kyrie because he's already dealt with it before because LeBron James left for Miami and Kyrie was the one who came and played with the players he left behind. Right. So Kyrie knows exactly how that is because he's already done it once. Right. I, I think uh, He doesn't want to do it again. So if we're going back to who are the teams that have the best chance right now? So if a deal is going to get done in the next two weeks, I say the teams that are best fit for this are uh, Miami – because they could trade uh, Drogic uh, to them. But then again, Drogic is getting up there in age and he's been injured. So I'm not sure if that's a good, if that's a piece that gets them better. I do think Phoenix has a good chance. Phoenix has a lot of young assets that they can move around and assets, period. Um, and they have Bledsoe. But that's a high usage guy in Bledsoe. Like, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure if that really plays to the strengths of what you're trying to do in Cleveland. I, I, I will say LeBron likes Eric Bledsoe, doesn't he? He's trained with Bledsoe before. Yeah, LeBron might like that. Yeah, LeBron might like that. He calls him mini Braun. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that might be, that's a, that's a fit. I think if Kyrie's traded the next couple weeks, I think that teams that come out ahead are either Phoenix or Utah. Uh, yeah, because w- when you mentioned Miami, I mean, is is Goran Dragic really that good? I mean, people talk about Goran Dragic as if he's this world mover. It did not sway Gordon Hayward that much. What if it's Dragic's and Waiters coming back? That would just like <laughs> Waiters just, Island returns returns to <laughs> to to Cleveland, the triumphant yeah, and, hero. I would love that. That would be <laughs> it'd be so great. That's right. But but I, I but just, for that to happen it it had to happen after December. But still I'd be totally cheerleading that move. But I I do your mention of Phoenix is a good it Phoenix is a good example to see how much say LeBron has with with uh Cleveland at this point. Does does LeBron still have a say? Has he lost his say in the front office and that's why he's thinking about leaving because he wants that? And that's going to be interesting too with a new GM. Like uh, is this new GM going to get pushed around by LeBron and trying to appease? Or Mm. is he going in there with the idea of, look, dude, you're out in a year. I got to pick up the pieces and I'm going – I have to do – I have to protect our our franchise from whatever whatever happens afterwards. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think – if I w- I would think it would be a really smart move. No, no GM would do this, but I think it would be one of the smartest moves to try to try to move LeBron. If you're <laughs> Cleveland, like he's out. That's right. He's, he's, he does. He doesn't have a no trade clause, he's right? Out, and you know your team's going to be like in the crapper in a year anyway. Why don't you just like blow it up? Like just do it. Just just. Like, like, like if you're if you went fire sale on the Cleveland Cavaliers this year, knowing that LeBron is out, can you imagine? Like, there'd be so many suitors like lining up. Like the L.A. Lakers would be like giving away literally everything. Like, what could happen? Like, it'd be great. Well, and if you trade LeBron, you know what that does? It tells Kyrie that you want him to stay. If if you decide that hey, we want Kyrie. We like 
then Kyrie's Wouldn't happy that be at such that a point. twist of fate? They're like, I can't play with LeBron. Everyone's like, Kyrie's out. And then LeBron's traded. Like, And what type of haul do you bring in with that? I mean, you... Tra- yeah, trading the best player on... it, Like... <laughs> I didn't even think of this. I didn't even plan to talk about this. But basically, you get the Philadelphia 76ers, right? That's like... <laughs> Right, right. Like all of a sudden, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers come in and they're like, "We're trained for LeBron. We'll do it." We'll... And so all of a sudden, you got the process with LeBron. With you basically get whatever Holtz. player you want. Yeah, and they'll to be pair like, with "We want Ben Simmons. Sure, we'll get LeBron. <laughs> we'll take Joel Embiid. Here's LeBron." Yeah, I, I think it would. If... And, and then everyone's like, "Trust the process. It's amazing." So. With all the crazy things that have been happening with with Kyrie Irving, uh, the other bit of jazz news that directly happened with the jazz is Justin Zanuck is returning to the Utah Jazz front office. So if you don't know Justin Zanuck, he was the assistant GM uh, last uh, two years ago with the Utah Jazz. He used to be a, he used to be an agent, and then he came over during when Dennis Lindsay uh, took over in Utah. Now he left last he left last year to Milwaukee right before the beginning of the regular season and most had assumed he was going over there for a general manager in waiting and then at, you know to be uh, expected the general manager of the Milwaukee Bucks he went he uh, left Milwaukee to go to Orlando after the season was over and many had assumed after the Milwaukee Bucks did their due diligence with those who were on the market uh, for, um, through interviews that they would hire Justin Zanuck after they went through all these interviews. Now, uh, Orzanowski of ESPN has the best uh, version of what happened. And it is just a giant cluster cuss that you would expect to happen with a team like the Knicks or Cleveland. Uh, so they go through their process. The owners couldn't decide who they wanted. There was a disagreement with the, the coaches and, and, uh, and wh- who was left of management wanted Justin Zanuck. Owners didn't want that. And somehow out of left field, a 34 year old who had just been a glorified gopher. Of ways turns out to be the GM. Now he's, he's, he's been waiting underneath their wing for all of these, but he came out of left field. And the fact of the matter is then they said, we have to find it, somebody to pair with him to, to, so he can get up to speed. So they hired a general manager who is not qualified to be a general manager and they're looking for an assistant general manager who will play their general manager, but is totally okay taking a backseat afterwards. And of course, that's working out great. And David Morey, who was the assistant GM of the Milwaukee Bucks, said, ain't gonna be me. And he peaced out and he left with Justin Zanuck to the Utah Jazz. So you got this brain trust that has helped bring in Thonmaker, Giannis, and all of that over to Utah. And so this is a great, great fit for Utah uh, because Utah's looking for these these really talented uh, 
foreign players and trying to get value as they get better, trying to find value in the later end of the draft. And you get this brain trust that's been able to find value in the latter end of the lottery and the latter end of the, of the, of the first round in, in, in Brogdon and so on and so forth. So this is, this is a really great fit and this is just a coup. Now this might not, obviously since Justin Zanuck, uh, left to go to Milwaukee, for a year to want to be to be the GM, it doesn't sound like he's going to be with Utah for ve- for much for very long. You know, he'll probably be here for the year, and then then he'll make make the circuit when there's when inevitably New York fires the general manager after a year or whatever mess well, yeah, they got. And, and it's interesting. I mean, we heard the stories, and I don't know if it was PR spin or whatever to make it sound like, but I think he went to Milwaukee because of something with his kids that there's some sort of treatment that they get that's in milwaukee so it's easier for his family to to be close to that so i mean the bad blood that justin zanuck has to feel if that's the case has to be pretty intense and this david Morway to come with him means maybe he's got some allegiance with justin zanuck uh david Morway is a former former general manager himself with the indiana pacers so it's just a high level amount of of just experience and knowledge and connections and things like that. And one thing we're seeing again with Dennis Lindsay is he's someone that people want to work with. He creates just great relationships with other people. When other GMs are talking with Dennis Lindsay, they know that they're dealing with someone who's going to be honest with them and be smart and, and work with them to do great things. I mean, just bringing Justin Zanuck back just sends a lot of messages around the league that this is an office that, works with people and and uh builds strong relationships and that they feel comfortable like there wasn't bad blood it wasn't like justin zanuck left and was, and and when it went to kaput he he could have been like there were openings in new york there was openings in cleveland um that he could have gone to but he felt uh, but at some point he felt more comfortable going to uh dennis Lindsay's front office and Possibly he's waiting a year. Maybe he's maybe he ends up staying. Maybe you know they build this relationship, and he, you know Utah Jazz are able to keep him on on staff in whatever capacity. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. I mean, you go to these other organizations, and stuff like this is it's just crazy how some of these organizations, how crazy their ownerships are, how poorly things are run. Zanuck probably goes there and just says like, "Oh my goodness, I had a solid thing where I get to have an equal say in everything." Very similar to R.C. Buford in the Spurs organization, where things are run in a way you want them to run it. He, he might just decide he likes it and just become a part of something great. I mean, the the Jazz ownership uh, has just gotten better and better. We're as Jazz fans, we need to be honestly grateful every day. I was looking at, uh, I was actually looking. I can't even remember what site I was on, but it was just kind of naming off all the general managers for the job for the Jazz and. When it says ownership, it said trust. I mean, we're 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 not going to lose our team ever. So, for example, a week ago we found out that Houston went up for sale out of the blue. Their owner just decides to sell them. If I'm a Houston fan right now, I'm scared to death because you never know if if Han- Chris Hansen or whatever his name is in Seattle comes and says, you know what, your people are praising you for two billion dollars. How about I give you seven, and you can come to 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 Washington, we don't have to worry about those things, right? And for those for those Houston fans, are like, well, we're in a very large market. They would never do that. A team left 
Seattle, which last time I checked, is a pretty large market and went to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Like which it, is is comparable to Salt Lake City. Yeah, which so Yeah. Yeah, well, and Salt Lake actually had a better downtown than Oklahoma City at the time. Like, like Oklahoma City's downtown, like, was built overnight because the Thunder went there. So, if, if there's owners who are willing to do that, like, I would feel scared with, as Houston, because if there's a Chinese investor or anybody, like, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, there's a, a whole lot of uncertainty with, with your team where that, and what that comes with. So, oh, and and I was going to say too, just and maybe I'm beating a dead horse here, but Dennis Lindsay also just makes such smart decisions. No, is he perfect? No. Did we draft Trey Burke for two picks? Yes. Was it? You know, wasn't the great pick? You know, ain't but, all going to be winners. But he's also gotten Rudy Gobert twenty seven, Rodney Hood in the in late in the first round, things like that. Just incredible picks. But also the fact, like, so we just talk about the the Milwaukee GM that went to Orlando, he just signed Shelvin Mack for $12 million. So he's supposedly a good, great hire for Orlando. He's paying Shelvin Mack $12 million. And they did, and they did the Simmons deal too, where, where it's where you don't know what they're doing, like what direction they have. And you have Dennis Lindsay, who, I mean, you, you look at what they're, what they're trying to do after Gordon Hayward left. And, 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 and in all honesty, it's trying to make the best of a really crappy situation. Like they, they can say, they can say, you know, we had plant plants in place, and you can plan a lot, but at some point you have to make the best of a of a of a crappy situation, and that's what they're doing. And they've done pretty well with that. They've they've signed they've signed good defensive players. They doubled down on their identity and said, where where can we look? And instead of you know other GMs kind of just panicking and. Exactly, and, and, and they could have they could have gone out and be like, "Oh my gosh, we got to throw a ton of money at Rudy Gay," or yeah, seventy one million dollars to Tim Hardaway Jr. or something. Yeah, yeah, done done some some really really uh, you know just reactionary moves, and instead you know they kind of sat back and said, "Okay, we we really got to reevaluate." And I'm sure they had they had plans taken off the table because Gordon Hayward waited and they did those things, but at the end of the day, they they still said, "Hey." We have to look at this with a strategy. We lost our we lost our strategies because of of what what happened and, and the waiting game. So let's see what we can do. And I think what what they came up with is is pretty well. And now because they were able to and and they had the Rubio deal is another example of that strategy. What what you're able to see with that is they they were able to sign Rubio. At, at the tail end of last season, so they have these these uh, these movements that they're able to, able to make. So, yeah. it's I I think what's what's really great with all of this is Dennis Lindsay does things with a lot a, a very long term thinking, and he's able to make these 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 deals happen, and it's and it's great. It's just really great. Yeah, he 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 knew what he was going to do, and not only did he sign solid players that will fit the identity of the Jazz, uh, he he set us up so that next offseason we're ready to go after someone new, so we're fit. It honestly, it, what it reminded me of with the with the decision making with with getting these players is the Jazz are so obviously a defensive 
powerhouse this season. It reminded me in high school I used to play StarCraft and StarCraft II, and I, d- I learned that if you if you combine certain units, and I know this is high-level analysis for everyone out there, but I learned that if you just like had a very strong strategy with one way, if you went with the Zerg Rush, you could win the, the game. If you just kind of did what you thought was best at the, the moment, you lost. <laughs> right, and, and, I, and, and but so if you he had a very really strong looks at this. strategy, he looks at these strategies, and 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 what's what's really nice is he he found what was undervalued in the market, like what a good what because it, this is what bothers me, and people are like small balls the way to go, or this thing is the way to go, and what a smart GM does is not just say it's positionless basketball. He asks. A smart GM looks at that and says, why are teams reacting with positionless? What is the what is the problem they're solving? Because if you find the problem they're solving, then you're going to be able to find the next problem. And so what he's looking at is he looked at the market and said, you know what? The market is saying that offense is very highly valued because you have some other teams that, let's be real, we want to think that everyone's really, really smart, but the the entrance for having a team is just a lot of money. You don't have to have intelligence with that money. You just got to be an owner, and you got to have billions of dollars. Sometimes you, you are a really smart owner, and you hire smart people. Sometimes you're not a smart owner, and you don't hire smart people. Or sometimes you're, you're really smart, you hire something so stupid. So so he, he looked at that and said, okay, offense is really overvalued. It is we are you are paying way above value on this. So if you're looking at this from a business perspective, you're saying, okay, well, what is undervalued? What is undervalued? And is it is it properly undervalued? And what he looked at is said and and said, you know what? Defense is very undervalued in this league, which doesn't make any sense. And it's oh, well absolutely. it's well below market value. So we can make so and this is moneyball. When, when people look at Moneyball and they're like, Moneyball is analytics. Moneyball is looking at, is using analytics to find out what is being undervalued. Moneyball in baseball is, and what is, what is highly valued changes over time. Same, same thing with, with basketball. Like everyone's going, okay, the three point shot, the three point shot, the three point shot. Well, guess what? It ebbs and flows. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So what you see teams doing and reacting is all of a sudden those people who can shut down and close out on that corner three, they become highly valued or they should be. And they, and, and that's where the value comes. And so for people who, if you want to watch the movie Moneyball, he talks about how nobody was valuing being on base. They were valuing empty statistics. And so when people, Sometimes you had players that were good at both, but they didn't see the correlation. And so now what Dennis Lindsay is hoping is looking at the Jazz defensively and saying, hey, people aren't valuing this defensive strength and length. Let's, let's value that. And there's a possibility because no one else is doing what we're doing. We're able to start our own trend. We can be the first. Because do you want to be the last person who's on positionless basketball or do you want to be the first person who's on the iteration that comes after it? Oh yeah. And and so and that's what and and, 
and that's and that's what they're looking at right now is is fi- finding out hey are is this being undervalued because it's it's the dinosaur or is this being undervalued because people are so fixated on what's cool and hip and trying to copy i think of remember the lakers uh, like i was reading posts of why people shouldn't why the jazz shouldn't draft gordon hayward just it's like going back on the slc dunk ar- archives <laughs> and want to know why why people said it was such a terrible move for us to draft Gordon Hayward. They said, how are we ever going to get past the, the Lakers and their height? We need two big men. We need two seven footers. And that we, we, we could have had, had, had some uh, seven footer, but instead we got Gordon Hayward. We could have had Ekpe, Ekpe Udo, which we do now. Ironically. Enough, ironically. But they're like, we need to have size to be able to get past the Lakers. Q looking back on that now, and you're like, man, like big men are going the way of the dinosaur. But that's because there was a reaction. There was a reaction to things. Uh, and everyone said, well, we can't get around these big men, but man, we can run around them really fast. And so they, so it switched. It changed. So, so that's 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 the next thing. Like we're going to be looking seven years from now and be like, man, remember how everyone was trying to find the next Draymond Green? Like that's that's what we're going to be saying, but we don't know what that iteration is. Well, and that's why when you just draft the best player available, you never come away disappointed. Because if you're drafting based on need, you're kind of hoping that they become a certain thing. If you draft based on BPA, best player available – you almost always get someone that will contribute to the team, and then you kind of figure it out later. I was going to tell you, so kind of talking about what we had talked about just a bit ago, uh, the Jazz kind of this vision of playing off their strengths and then just emphasizing the defensive end. The, the Jazz are going to win at least 41 games this year, and pretty easily. And the reason is because they are going to go into this season with the best defense in the league, or a top three defense, and like... 41 of those games that the Jazz are going to play this year are going to be against 500 teams or less. And those teams are going to come into Utah and they're going to play the best defense in the league and it's going to crush them. They're not so going to be you, disciplined enough to face that defense. They're, it's, they, they're going to fall apart. I mean, we're going to we're going to see some games where the Jazz hold some of these bad teams to 60 points. And when we play the, the 500 teams that maybe have an average offense, average defense, it's just going to pummel them. So, I mean, I would be shocked if the Jazz don't... I mean, the Jazz are going to win minimum 41 games this season because they're going to play 41 teams that are 500 or below, and they're going to crush them. And that's because Dennis Lindsay has set up a team that... No. Do we have Do we have Kyrie Irving yet? No, we don't. We might have him in a couple weeks. Fingers crossed. But if we don't get Kyrie Irving, we will have the best defense in the league. And Easily. one thing that... Easily. And what it'll do is it's going to set us up to win a lot of games against bad teams. And then when we go against and play those teams that are, you know, average to really good, we're going to win a good a good amount of those games as well because we're going to do the same things to them. We're going to lose four times in a row to Golden State. We're going <laughs> to struggle. That's going to happen. But you know what? We're going to go into play the teams like the Memphis Grizzlies and things like that, and we're going to probably split those yeah, because the- we – it's, I think the biggest question that we have uh, that, that, that is going to be answered in the season is not, are the Jazz going to be above 500? They'll be above 500. The question is, will 
that be enough to make the playoffs because of how deep the West is? So I, you have run some interesting numbers, and I was hoping you could talk about this, but kind of usage rates and and I was wanting to, if you could touch on a little bit of what you've been looking up with Rudy Gobert and Ricky Rubio. So it, it, what's interesting is obviously when you lose a player like Gordon Hayward, who is a high usage player, he was he was running about a 32, 33% usage rate. And that's hard to replace. That's, I mean, that's a third, a third of the third of the time he's, con- he's that's controlling the ball. That's a big hole to fill. Like that's, and, and that's why we got to go back to that Moneyball thing. Like it, there's a scene in Moneyball where Billy Bean said, we're not going to replace him. We cannot, fi- like there's not another Giambi out there. And likewise, there's not another Gordon Hayward up there. So, you have to look at what what is what is worth replacing, what is not. But before you even get that, you have to see when they're building their offense, Utah's analytics guys and on the coaching staff are going to be looking, okay, if we raise people and their usage rate up, what happens? Do they become a much less efficient player? Because if they do so, that might not be a net positive. For example, a player like Rodney Hood is one of those people who – Already runs a high a high usage rate. He was he ran like twenty three percent, and in some games he uh, he was up. He had many games above twenty seven percent. You look at that and you're like, uh, his his efficiency dropped, and so that's I think that's one of the scary things when you look at um, when you look at Hood going into next season. Is you're like, well, we need Hood to be a scorer. That's a big if because analytic uh, not analytically statistically his efficiency goes down but if you look at gobert on the other hand when his usage rating when he plays more than 30 minutes and his usage rating is a above 20 percent we're not even talking like going nuts here we're talking just 20 percent so his offensive rating increases by three percentage uh, by three points um so he goes from an offensive rating of 108.7 to 111.7. Then we have a defensive rating. That all, um, so that goes, uh, unfortunately, it goes up as well. So it's like, uh, uh, you know, defensively, but his average net rating, not his average, his mean. So the median of all, all of his games. So where the closest grouping is, that is, um, running at a, um, a net rating of plus 13. It's just ridiculous. It is nuts. It is nuts. Now, there is a lot of noise on it with this data because that also means that Gordon Hayward is there. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of lot of data when he, when Rudy was like, Rudy, Rudy, um, and Gordon Hayward is out. Uh, the other things that happen when, when Rudy's uh, – his usage rate goes up, his offensive rebounding percentage goes up. He's more focused in the game. He's more involved. Oh, that's yeah. the thing. We're gonna have we're gonna have a focused, angry, determined Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert. Now, now the thing is that can't uh, that might not be a correlation of usage rate. That might just be his usage rate went up because he was getting more offensive rebounds and he had the ball more. So that's another thing to to look at. Now, when you look at um, the pace of play, the pace of play actually speeds up a little bit when when the, <laughs> um, that's fantastic. Um, now, but the thing is, is the standard deviation. So it's kind of all over the place. So that might not be something, but 
it also shows that he can play at a, a higher pace. Now, the other things that you're looking at is his efficiency, uh, his true shooting percentage, his, um, his effective field goal percentage. Those don't drop too much. Uh, they only drop by, you know, one or two percent and this, uh, and, and, and it varies quite wildly. Um, and the, it varies quite wildly because he had, he had like three games that he shot 55%, but the other games he was, he, the closest grouping though is, is in that 69%, uh, percent per, a game, uh, effective field goal percentage. And then, and then you look well, at- and I and I wonder if a little of that is also just the fact that he has so many players in the starting lineup last season that he's going George Hill forty one games, uh, you know Gordon Hayward misses six games, Rodney Hood misses games, right? And and his 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 cast of players is changing on on rotation. And the other thing too that was hard is Rudy Gobert played with some some bad point guards. When, yeah. when, when, like Dante Exum was not Dante, didn't look like Dante Exum in Summer League. Uh, Shelvin Mack can just get really b- bad tunnel vision, and he, he's like Shelvin Mack kind of is like when when I watched Donovan Mitchell play in Summer League, I saw some Shelvin Mack to his game, like the way he kind of just, but he's able to draw fouls better, he's able to control his body better. Uh, but you can tell he gets that tunnel vision, and, and I thought Mack, you were going to hurt my feelings there for a and, second. And Shelvin Mack, okay. it is, so Shelvin Mack is like a Donovan Mitchell, like, like crystal light. Mm. And and so he and and Donovan Mitchell sometimes struggled to make that entry pass, like uh, on that. And so that's what that's that's what Rudy was working with. Was was that, well, and, that type of player, like a point guard who's not really a point guard in Shelvin Mack? Well, and, and even George Hill. George Hill averaged like three assists per game last season. Right, right. Not and, a playmaking point guard. Yeah, not a playmaking point guard. So, uh, so he didn't have a chance. And then he's running this rotation, and George Hill's in, you know, playing playing hurt with uh, with his toe for most of the season, and then then he had like. This this never ending concourse of people just changing. Then, but the interesting thing is, if you get into Rubio, Rubio's assist percentage goes up. Um, his net rating actually doesn't change. Uh, his season average was a negative one net rating, and that's kind of that's not too bad when you f- look at. Well, they were a losing team last year. They were year. a losing team. They were a losing team, and his net rating is only negative one. That's pretty yeah for a team. I don't know what their record was. Yeah, that's really great for a team that lost a lot of games. Right. Um, his assist ratio goes down, of course, because his usage rate is going up. Uh, but he has a greater impact on games. Um, his true shooting percentage goes up. His uh, effective field goal percentage goes up. His rebounding percentage goes up. He actually has less turnovers when his usage rate goes good. up. Um, and he averages he averages 17 points a game when his usage rate goes up versus 11 points. His field goal percentage goes up by 10 uh, by um by 10 percentage points. <laughs> <laughs> like and and his and his three point percentage goes up. Uh so and his field goal percentage goes up. So you're looking at a player like Rubio could do well in a role now i don't think he like when the comparisons of jason kitt i don't think those are out because i'm not sure his rebounding percentage is going to like his rebounding percentage would have to just like it would be the anomaly of anomalies 
if he was mm-hmm. that that Jason Kidd rebounding. But a guy who um, is able to affect the game in a much larger way, that would be really interesting. Which brings me to my point of what the what the Utah Jazz could be with Rubio versus Irving. Now, the Utah Jazz can be good with, with Rubio. But when you say they can be good with Rubio and they can be a, a really good team in the West, it does come with a lot of variables. You have to, he has to be healthy. Um, the Utah Jazz have to assume that Ingles and, uh, Johnson and, um, and then getting good co- contributions from, uh, you know, from their, from their young guys in Hood and in Mitchell, that those are, they're able to see, uh, no, basically static, like nothing changes with Ingles and Johnson, which there will because there's more attention on them. And you need to have increases with Mitchell and uh, Hood because the attention on on Rubio on the perimeter is not going to be as um, locked in as they were with Hill and Hayward. He had two guys basically creating a lot of uh, a, a lot of attention, and now you lost that. And there's a statistic called gravity, which is basically how people space the floor. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's not wi- widely available, but you can pretty much assume that Gordon Hayward and George Hill had a lot of gravity when they're on the court. Now they only have, you know, possibly Ingles, and then I'm not sure what kind of gravity Rubio has. I, I doubt. I doubt it's. To, I highly doubt it's to that level. So mm-hmm. the spacing drops. We so, do know that Rudy creates a lot of gravity. Yeah, we know with that his Rudy, rolling to the hoop. Yeah, so he he's he's a he's, he's but you're not gonna. But to get that, but to so they're going to be working more perimeter like in versus out versus perimeter in. So that's going to mm-hmm. Rudy's going to have to be a lot. Rudy's going to there's a chance Rudy could be a lot better and average the same numbers because there's going to be so much attention on him. But yeah. if you bring in a guy like Kyrie, that switches the equation. That yeah. you you know immediately he is going to have attention on him. You know immediately that's going to open guys up. Now is he the playmaker that Rubio is? That's in some circumstances, he has to be focused with the, with a coach like Quinn Snyder. I, I think so. But you're talking about less variables with with Kyrie. You're saying uh, like with with Kyrie, if they have him, I think Utah is back to that four five position with their oh, def- yeah. defensive focus. With Rubio, you're like uh, if things. If things break the right way, I could see a scenario where Utah is a 4-5, but they have to be the number one defense in the league, and they have to be one of the best defenses in the last 15 to 20 years for them well, to be they, at that point. And they have to find a way to be able to be up-tempo and get a lot of points in transition while keeping the defense up. Right. Which is probably what they're going to try to do, which is probably why... Dennis Lindsay has gotten all these defensive players. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what I mean, reading the tea leaves here, the Jazz have just overloaded with defensive players. And what you can do now is you can really run because you know that every player on the court can defend and defend as a plus defender. So it really makes the possibility like, you know, crazy scenario. The Jazz are the number 10 offense out of the blue because they can just flat out run. And because they have Rudy Gobert behind them and they have really solid wing defenders it's okay yeah that's a possibility 
I, I would say I, I do have to say with all of my research, and this is just round. This has nothing to do with usage rates. It's not has anything to do with Rubio, Gobert, Irving, Hood. I think my favorite thing that I found just by pure accident is that Joe Ingles is one of the best isolation players in the NBA. Joe Ingles gets buckets. I think that's the mo- the most hilarious thing. Like the best isolation player on the Utah Jazz roster last year. Well, and it, you know what? When you watch him, I mean, how many times did he have that little roll to the hoop and have that little left-handed layup? And it goes in every time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's it's just hilarious. He's 97th percentile. 97th. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I mean, yeah, there's not a huge sample size, but I just think that's just hilarious. I, it's, I think, it's amazing. I like Joe Ingles is the god. He like, he really like we might as well, we might as well just start like, start championing his MVP campaign next season. Well, and can we put a, can we put a note in his contract that he immediately becomes part of the broadcast crew when he's done or some sort of assistant coach? Forget just, when he's done, just what, like when he's on the bench, just, he just takes, he takes breathers with the, with the broadcast crew. Just so let's just have him like slide in. I wanted to say one last thing about Kyrie Irving before we move on to a few other items that we wanted to talk about. The other reason that I'm really excited about Kyrie, if we can get him, I mean, it's a big F it's Dennis Lindsay is going to have to pull off some, some super and management power or something, but the uncle get, drew commercials. Say that again. The uncle drew commercials. That's what you're excited about. Exactly. Exactly. Uncle drew commercials. Cause I want to see, I want to see Joe the, in, in old face. <laughs> I just want to see lights shining down and like, uh, I want to see pictures of Kyrie in Temple Square. But anyways, I, what I want to see is uh, like when you have Kyrie Irving and you're in the playoffs, you have a player that can score almost at will. And get buckets. Like he did that exactly. against the best – one of the best teams in, in NBA history. The, exactly. The best, the best regular season team in NBA they, history. He, he just – They couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop him, and they're the number one defense in the league. So if you have Kyrie Irving, you have a legit. I mean, I don't. Want, I mean, we've got to try to get Kyrie because if you have Kyrie, you can get him the ball in the fourth quarter in a playoff game. And I mean, the reason the Cavs won the finals was a they have LeBron, arguably the greatest player who ever lived, and they had Kyrie who made that shot over Steph that won the game in Game Seven. And so that's something you have if you bring Kyrie over. I know some people don't love his style of play at times, but that guy can score for you when when things get locked down. Right. And and I think that's what is is just amazing about Kyrie is is when he's locked in, he can he can just get buckets. And I think you would pair him with Rudy Gobert who would create a lot of space for him in in, in down low and I think the other great thing with with Kyrie is he well the potential. He hasn't really had that good of a coach. Exactly. I mean it's Tyron Lue, David what oh, I forgot his name. The 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 European coach that wasn't impressed by playing in front of Obama. Yeah, and it, and then before that it was the I forget all their names, but the the assistant coach right now for the 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 Warriors who I think is still getting paid by by the Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert. Yeah, they they've had this rotation of 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 coach after coach after coach. And I think you give Quinn Snyder, Kyrie Irving, 
And Quinn Snyder can point and be like, look, I just gave George Hill the best year of his career at age 31. What yeah. do you think I'm going to do with you? And you I'm, have more talent than George Hill ever had. Yeah. And uh, I, you got to, you got to do two things. You got to get back on defense. All you got to do is be average on defense. That's it. That's it. Uh, that's yeah. all I need. That's all I need from you. If you're average on defense, I will turn you into a god. And, well, and Rudy Gobert erases a lot of sins on the perimeter on the defensive right. end as well. He, Kyrie Irving, Irving has never played with with a big man who could just protect, and 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 that's going to allow him to, uh, you know, to to make more attempts at, at stealing the ball to be uh, a little bit riskier that way. So he and and be able to start fast breaks and and to get going. So yeah, I think I and plus I would love. To have an Irving Mitchell backcourt, I think that oh would just gosh, be, how fun would that be? Oh my gosh, so much swag! And and Kyrie, all Kyrie has to do on defense is just learn to funnel, just funnel them into Gobert. Yeah, that's all he has that, to do. That's all. Just 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 funnel. We're not run them know. off the three line, three point line. Funnel them to Gobert. Yep, that's and that's and, it. and he'll make your life easy. Yeah. And so the other thing I wanted to touch on, um, one thing that maybe helps Utah get. Kyrie, if that's a possibility still, uh, that John Wall just a few hours before we recorded this has just uh, signed with the Warriors uh, an extension. I think minimum three years. Maybe there's a fourth year option for that. So John Wall is going to be on the Washington Wizard Wizards for a long time. So if the Wizards were looking to make some sort of trade to bring uh, Kyrie Irving over, probably not going to happen at this point, unless they're trading Bradley Beal, which I doubt. Um, yeah. So it, it looks like they're they're going. All in on their on their squad and looking at the Eastern Conference and saying there's not re- really anybody who's going to tell stop us. And yeah, they're, they're going to be a three look- seed at least. And they're looking at Boston, who doesn't have a power forward yet, and saying we we can do this. We we mm. we can we can make some noise. So I I think it's going to be interesting to watch uh, this the Kyrie Irving speculation. I think. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more slow moving rumor than the other ones, just because not everybody's uh, locked in in session, getting ready for the draft or free agency or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would say before the regular season, Utah Jazz ha- have a really good case for for being able to make a trade that a helps the Cleveland Cavaliers still contend this year and can 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 help them with. I mean, Rodney Hood be, is instantly better than J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert, and he's younger and 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 he's improving. So and and he's an asset that they, they can keep. He's a restricted free agent. Yeah, and they can send over. We could send them over Derek Favors if they want. Um, we even have a get few some, young pieces. Some more, yeah, we can get like trading that they can get some more versatility, and the Utah mm-hmm. Jazz can can make that work for them. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think, uh, with, uh, you know, with all of this, there's, who knew there would be still news that could affect the Jazz this late into the, the offseason? This, this, this offseason is nuts. So <laughs> as, as always, follow us on, follow us on Twitter at SLC Dunk. Uh, follow us on Facebook at SLC Dunk as well. And we're also on Instagram. Ton of great stuff that our, our main, main guy, Taylor Griffin, is putting out there. Also, if you're following SLC Dunk, you're going to be able to stay plugged in for the next episode of Rudy Gobert and the quest for Defensive Player of the Year. Who oh, knows? Oh, I, I, 
Who does that show? Who does that? Who I does think that? I think I think I think James does that. This guy named James Hansen. Pretty legit. You know what? You should follow if you him. Go on to, I will say, if you go on to SLC Dunk, I read your comments. The mean ones I ignore. But the nice one, if you've got suggestions, I read those comments. If you're, you know, I, for all of those that listened all the way through, I am thinking about a Double Dragon type of thing going on in the next episode. Double Dragon being D for Donovan Mitchell and D for Dante Exum. I know we might have voted for something else. I can't remember what we voted for, what we should call those guys. But there's not a DMX video game. DMX. There's not a, there's not a DMX video game, but there is Double Dragon and I, and I like it. So, so, so um, as always, follow follow uh, James at James Hanson James Hanson James at Hanson James, and then follow me at my underscore low on Twitter. Check us out on SLC Dunk and subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a SoundCloud. review. Give us a review. Say say we're awesome. This has been real. This has been the SLC Punk Spot Podcast, and you guys have an awesome week. Talk to you later. Bye.